Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. Well, it's great to be here this morning, and I want to just share with you the third in our finals of the series, uh, three-part series that we were doing. The first week uh, we looked at this, uh, I basically laid down some very straight, basic truths. Uh, I laid down four truths, and that was that God's way is good and right. God's way is right. He is the way. And when we choose his way, we're walking the right way. When we choose not to do his way, then we're not really walking the right way. God, there is no, like, gray area. It's God's way. That is it. And trust me, if you walk God's way, you will experience God. I'll say it that way. I won't say it'll all go good. I didn't say that. I didn't say it'll all go good. You will experience God when you walk God's way because God walks with you. Right? So that's the first truth. The second truth that I shared was that you will never understand how to handle earthly things unless you are heavenly minded. The only way to be heavenly minded is to have the Spirit of God in you. And the only way to have the Spirit of God in you is to be born again, just like Jesus said. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You won't understand it. You cannot understand, the Bible says, how can you understand another person's mind unless you have his spirit in you? So it is with the mind of God. You cannot have the mind of God unless you have his spirit within you. And so if you're trying to figure out how to do godly things with the earthly things that you have and you you have not surrendered and asked Jesus to come into your life and asked the Holy Spirit to come and be part of you, you're not going to do it. You might look like it, but it won't be. Trust me, it'll be a counterfeit. So you need to have a spiritual mind. Okay, number three, I said that everything and everyone is connected. We love to try to disconnect, but actually we all are in the same ocean. And what I do affects you, and what you do affects me, and affects other people, and you think it doesn't, but trust me, everything we do affects everything else. And we are completely connected. And I talked about how God wants a people who are connected, who know they're connected, a people for himself, and that we are, as a community, we are his people, and he is our God. And then number four, is that how you handle earthly things is a reflection of how connected you are to heavenly things. How you handle earthly things kind of displays whether you're connected or not. Now, I'm not saying that you're supposed to look at someone else and judge them. That's not what I said. And if you're doing that, you've missed the whole point, and you need to go back to number two and get a spiritual mind. Okay? I didn't say go back to one, but one wouldn't hurt. God's way is right. <laughs> so that was the first week. The second week I talked about, I began to actually start uh, what I was kind of telling you was a, a teaching. And because what I did was I began to look at the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and I kind of did a, a survey through that and tried to understand this whole idea of community, about giving to the community, about what it's all about. And what I learned was that in the Old Testament, God's plan was that he wanted to 
create a community that would be for himself. And that community was to be uh, uh, dependent on one another and to God and to help one another, help each other in a godly way to, to form a community that would be a blessing for the whole earth. That was his plan. started all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Okay? Actually, it would start in chapter 1. I could even show you that. But it really, chapter 12 was the big one. It was with Abraham. And so God wanted to create this. And we looked in the Old Testament, and we saw that in the Old Testament there was some principles of giving. And the first one was basically to honor God with your possessions. Now, that doesn't even talk about giving. It doesn't even mean about giving. Honor God with what he has given you. Are you handling the things that God gives you? How, what are the things that, let's, let's, let's just name the things that God, it's easy for me to name the things that God has given you. You want to hear it? It's very simple. Everything. I've just labeled everything, and I named it all, and that's what God has given you. Remember last week, I'll do it again. I think this is a good one. Everyone go like this. Thank you, God, for that breath. You just gave us air to breathe. Everything belongs to God, and are you honoring God with what you own, what you have, what you've been given? Do you honor God with that? Okay? And then the second thing was they began to give to the community, and that community was the community of the believers, the, 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 the people of Israel, and, uh, you know, and, those, and that giving went to help the, build the temple, help the, the priests, and also help the poor. And then the people start growing. And the people of Israel, they grow and they become a community and they are to be God's people and they are to be a blessing to the world. And now they begin to develop nice, strong systems. And everybody's got a system now. And you know, when I talked last week about the same thing, you know, about giving your first fruits to God and, and, and tithing and, and all of those things. And all of those are part of God's, uh, the, the, well, part of the people's system to becoming uh, a community that would be a blessing to the nations. Thoppy, the problem was that that's not what God intended. He didn't intend for us to have a bunch of rules and systems uh, to put in place. So then Jesus comes along and he begins to teach us what would look like a whole new way, but it's really not a whole new way. It's actually the way that God intended at the very beginning. Okay, so here's the thing. He comes out with these kind of basic fundamental things. Love, grace, freedom, faith. And he starts talking about those kind of things. And in those things, there is no measurement. So it screws up the whole system. Jesus kind of screwed it all up. If I could use that, forgive the phrase, but, but this is a great way to say it. He messes it all up because, you know, okay, you know, I'm supposed to love. Well, you know, what do I, tithe love? I mean, do I give 10% of love? What do I do with love? Love, there's no, give me a measurement, God. I want a measurement. Faith and freedom and grace. There's no measurement. There is no limit. And see, here's how I see this happening. So Jesus, he comes on the scene. And he says, 
he says, let's talk about the system that you have. Okay, let's talk about the system. You say, and when he says you say, he's talking about the law. He's talking about what they think. He says, you say, do not murder. But I say to you, anyone who has hate in their heart, right, is already committed murder. You say, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that even if you have lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. See, so what's happening here, what's happening is here, he's going like this. He's going, here's the level you're living at. You say do not murder. You say do not commit adultery. You say, he, he does about seven or eight of those, and he says, but I say, and he's talking about a whole new level of living, a whole new way to live that has no measurement. Because you know why it doesn't have a measurement? Because it doesn't need a measurement. See, if, if, if no one hated, there would be no murder. If no one lusted, there would be no adultery. See, it's very simple. He's dealing with a whole new level. And that's why it screws everyone up, because Jesus is saying, listen, if you are dealing with the law, if you are talking about, uh, you know, stealing, then you are on this level of living. If you love each other, there'll be no stealing. And so he's talking about a whole new level of living. And this is the level that God wants us to live. See, in the Old Testament, in the law, it was obligation. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs? You know the song? Do this, don't do that. Can't, never mind. Old song. Signs, signs, everywhere a sign. Old song. <clears throat> really old. Tells you my age. Anyways, but this, this law is down here. And then he's saying, you know, it's up here. The law was obligation. You must give. You must do. You have that. And it's all down here. And Jesus says, I don't even have a question about that stuff. Because I'm living here. And when I live here, that isn't even an issue. There's no issues. Because I'm up here. And he's calling us to live up here, not down here any longer. And so the Old Testament was uh, obedience out of obligation. And the New Testament was abundance of obedience from a heart of love. You know, how much, do I, how, what am I, how much am I supposed to love my wife? You know, two hours a day? Got my, got my love in, two hours, you know? Now I've fulfilled the law. See, and this is where he's at. And so that's why in, in, in the New Testament, when it says the law is done away with, Jesus canceled the law, you know, oftentimes we think that, okay, then we, we don't even have to deal with the law. Yeah, you don't have to deal with the law because you're living up here. The law is down here. And if you're living up here, you'll fulfill the whole law and then some. This is the whole truth that Jesus brought to change it all, to make us all think differently. And you know what, people, honestly, and I'm with you, we like law. It's easier. You ever hear, you know, like, I, 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 I've seen it in America. I, honestly, I, they, in here, 
they'll have it in Bahasa, so it's hard for me to follow. But they'll, they'll have a, a, a businessman on trial. The businessman will be on trial, and, and he'll say, I did nothing against the law. So they have to let him go. Everybody knows that he's like corrupt, he's, he's, he's nasty, he's done unethical things, but he didn't break the law. And since he didn't break the law, we can't punish him. Is that the way we want to live? See, this is what Jesus is trying to change. He's trying to change all that type of thinking. And so the Old Testament, when it says the law is good, yeah, it's good. And, and when Jesus said he canceled the law, basically, basically, he doesn't deal with the law because he's way above it. He lives way above it. And that's what he wants us to do. So when we deal with earthly things in a heavenly, lay, heavenly way, the foundation, from Jesus' point of view, the foundation starts with love, faith, grace, and freedom. That's the foundation of handling earthly things in a heavenly way. So we choose. We choose to use our resources. We choose to give our resources, not out of obligation, but because we choose to, because we're free. And because we're free, we you realize how free you really are? I sometimes I don't think, I don't realize how free I really am. Honestly, how free we really are. This is how free God sets you free. He sets you so free, he said, guess what? I am, I, I am saving you, I'm delivering you, I'm setting you completely free. Here you go. You can do whatever you want. That's how free you are. You can absolutely do whatever you want. Now, the Bible is clear. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, everything is permissible. Then he goes, oh, yeah, but let me tell you something. Not everything is good. See, you are free. It's just like the 10 lepers. The 10 lepers came to Jesus, and Jesus, what did he do? Heal one, heal two. No, he healed 10. And then they all went away. And then what happened? Only one came back. And he's like, where's the other nine? Only one came who was set free, who was healed. Only one came and fell at the feet of Jesus and said, you know what, Jesus? I love you for what you did. I give you praise and I will follow you for what you did. See, he set them all free. But only one had the heart of love. And that's what he's done with you. He has set you free because he wants you, he wants you to have the heart, the same heart as he has. I, I love it when my kids were growing up, there were certain values that we had. There were certain, you know, we had a lot of values, but there were certain values really precious to us, Carol and I. And when our children displayed those values, oh, we were like, whoa, that's my child right there. That's my child. I mean, we were so proud, we got all excited. Yes, the DNA has been passed down. Right? And then when they don't do, they don't do like the value that I have, I look, I say, what's going on with your daughter? No, no. <laughs> it's the same with God. God wants you to have the same heart as your father, him. What does it say? The simplest verse, one of the most, probably the most popular verse in the whole wide world. God so loved that he gave. 
It was from a heart of love that he gave everything to set you free because you could not have the heart of God if you were not totally free. Impossible. If you were, if you were a robot and God made you do things, if God made you love him, it would be impossible for you to have the same heart as him. That's why he sets you completely free and he says, okay, let's see. Do you have my heart? I want you to have it. I want to be proud of you. I want you to, to do the same things I do. I want you because you so love the world that you give. That's the heart. I want you to so love the world that you use what you have. This is the heart of God. This is the whole idea, the whole basis for, for fulfilling his original promise with the community. Remember, his promise, his, his purpose for the community to, was to raise up a community to display who he is to the world. And so we as a community of God are called to display his heart to everyone else. And, and I would say this, that I mean, I think, I think we do a pretty good job. But we have a long way to go. But I mean, overall, I would say that Christianity has not done that. Mm, a lot of times, yeah, but there are areas. Mm, and I'm saddened by that. Yeah. Okay. So it starts with a foundation. And now there's this guy comes along, and he begins to show us. I wanted to, I, 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 I asked God, I said, can I have an example, God? Can, like, I need an example to kind of show what, what this is all about. And, and he led me to this verse out of Philippians chapter 2, it's from the Apostle Paul. He says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice for you all. He says it in another place. Basically he says, I am a drink offering. I'm being poured out as a sacrifice. And Paul begins to show us the heart that God wants all of us to have here, and it's in this verse. And the first thing is that Paul used all his resources, everything he had, to set people free. That's what his whole goal was. He worked, literally, he worked to make sure he didn't have to take from anybody so he could pour out everything he had for people. See, his whole thought was, whatever talent I have, whatever gift I have, whatever, whatever service I can do, whatever money I have, I want to use it to set people free so that they get the heart of God, so that we can be a people of God, so that we can display the heart of God. You understand? This is what Paul was doing. You know, I can't say that's easy. Paul suffered. Paul went to prison. Paul had a lot of problems. He, you know, he had a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances. You know, he, I remember in, in Philippians, in chapter 1, he was saying, you know, uh, he goes, I am like torn. He was in prison. He says, I'm torn, you know, to die and be with you, God, or to stay and serve you, God. I'm torn between the two. I mean, have you ever had that thought? Like torn. God, I want to be with you or I want to serve you with everything I have. Kind of an interesting heart. I, I, I'm actually questioning myself, even as I'm saying it. 
Have I actually thought that thought? Not sure I have. Going to have to go to prayer. See, I remember with, 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 you know, kind of think like this. Uh, for the last, I've been married now 33 years in a month or so. It'll be 32 years. Two years, two. 32 years. And, you know, for the last, I don't know how many years, probably 30 years, we've had a home, you know, whether it's here or in America. We've had a home. And for those years, we've had people living with us. Probably, I don't know how many people, uh, probably between 30 and 50 people have lived with us over the years in our home. We had an extra room, so we give it out. I can't say it's been easy. It hasn't been easy to live with those people. Some of those people were not the easiest to live with. I remember one guy, it was really strange. He started living with us, and, and my wife and I kept thinking, there's something strange about this guy. Like, he's a great guy, but there's just something about him. I can't figure it out. And then we realized what it was. And there's nothing against this guy. I'm just saying, he, I don't think he grew up in a home where they said thank you. We realized he never said thank you. Not that he wasn't thankful. In his heart, he was, I could tell. But he never used his mouth. And so my wife and I made it a goal to try to get him to say thank you with his mouth. <laughs> we loved the guy. He stayed with us. He lived with us for quite a long time, and he was a wonderful man. But we just noticed he just never said thank you. It was just kind of just who he was. So we would give him something. We'd say, you know, or he'd give it, thank you. <laughs> you know, we had different times, but you know what? Over the years... We've had people live with us, and you know what? Now we have people calling us dad and mom. That's a real blessing. I am blessed when I get a Father's Day, uh, happy Father's Day, from someone who lived with me because he considers that we loved him. He needed a place to stay, and we gave him one. God's given you a car. Do you use it for his glory? Do you use it for things that God needs, that God wants to do on earth. You know, assignments, your house. You, I don't have much. It doesn't matter. The guy had five loaves and two fish, the little boy, and he used it for God, and God did miracles. So it's not about how big or how much. It's about what you do with what you have. Are you using your resources to set people free? That's the heart of God. God had a resource. It was the son of the living God, and he gave it up so that he could set people free. He gave everything he had. Second thing that Paul did is he, he gave freely to build up the body of Christ. He gave freely, and it wasn't just him. When the, the church started in Acts, this was the, the statement that was made. It said, all believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That's revival! That's revival! Oh yes, we want healings, we want deliverances, we look at that as being revival. But let me tell you, when's the last time you saw a community of believers sharing everything they had? That's revival. Oh, that's my prayer. 
That's my prayer, that there would be no need. That's the next verse. It says, it says and so God's grace, oh, isn't that interesting, was powerfully upon them. Ooh. We want God's grace to be powerfully upon them. Why don't we start with number one? Considering everything we have to be used for others. See, that's higher level living. That's way up there. That's way up there. That's almost outside some of our mindsets. And part of the problem is, is we have fears. I am no longer a slave to fear. It's time we break out of that. And he says, so that God's grace was powerfully upon them and at work in them, and there was no needy persons among them. And from time to time, those who owned their land and houses sold them and brought the money for uh, the people. Oh, my Lord. That is radical. That's radical. Tell me. If someone came into the midst in, this, in, that, in that community, if they walked in, if they wouldn't think that that place was heavenly-minded, loved people, cared about them, served each other, who wouldn't want to be a part of that community? Later it says, and God added to their numbers those that were being saved. I, I, I'm challenged even as I, as I share this in my own personality, my own personal life. And then Paul says, you know, I, 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 I do this, and I do this rejoicing. See, joyfully giving of yourselves and your resources. This is the New Testament uh, thinking, the new, the new way that Jesus wants us to think. He wants us to think and do it joyfully. Each one of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart, not out of obligation, because God loves a cheerful giver. It's out of a heart of love and joy. You know, my father, last, uh, last year when I was in the States, you know, my father knows I love, I love golf. I love golf. If you, uh, you hear me say it all the time. We talk about what we love. I love golf. And so he said to me, he said, Donald, he goes, let's go to the golf store. Which, you know, I love to go to the golf store. Love going to, I mean, I love to see all the newest, latest things, you know. So I go to the golf store, you know, and I realize he's taking me to the golf store because he wants to give something to me. So I didn't just get one thing. I got three things. And I didn't get the cheap stuff. I got the good stuff. He didn't even blink. It never even passed his mind. He never even looked at what I bought. He never let me get close to the counter. He took it from me, walked over to the counter, paid for it, and just smiled and said, let's go to lunch. Because why? It was out of a heart of joy and chair that he just wanted to bless me. And that's the kind of heart that God wants us to have as we give out to others. It needs to come from that kind of heart. Not out of obligation, not out of must, not out of trying to gain something. Just simply because you love and so you give. And that's the kind of thing that God is looking for us to have. That kind of heart. A joyful giving. Joyful giving doesn't expect anything in return. I'm running out of time. Okay. But attached to this New Testament way of living is God's promises. Tremendous promises. So I want to share these promises with you. 
The first thing is, without this joy, without this love, your giving is worthless. Oh, that's some promise. It's very clear in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, if I give all my possessions to the poor and even give my body up to be sacrificed, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So what he's saying is, okay, no obligation. We're not in the obligation mode because if you're in obligation, you're not in joy, right? So, okay, good, we're not in obligation. Now we're in joy. Okay, from that joy, what will you give? To others, to the community, of yourself, to the world. Out of joy. Not out of obligation. Not out of trying to receive something. Not out of trying to get something. But your joy. Just like the leper who ran back to Jesus, fell at his feet, and thanked God for what he did. Just like the man who was, this, uh, who was uh, crazy, who was in the caves, and God healed him and just said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. I want to give everything I have to you. Just like Zacchaeus, after meeting Jesus, said, you know what, I'll give back double of whatever I owe. And trust me, he probably owed. He's probably stole a lot of money from people. I'll give it all back and double that. See, he was filled with joy. And out of that joy came an abundance of wanting to help others. This is the heart that Jesus wants us to have. Now, he goes on to say that the promises that God has concerning earthly things is give sparingly, reap sparingly. Give sparingly, reap sparingly. In 2 Corinthians it says, Those who, who, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So, now you've got a problem. Here's your problem. This is a problem. This is how, why God, Jesus screwed it all up. Because it was easy before. I give this, I give 10%. It's all good. I'm in good standing with God. God will bless me. That's, that's simple. Doom. Discussion over. But now he says, if you give out of obligation, you get nothing because there's no joy. If you don't have a lot of joy, then you're going to give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. He screwed it all up. And then he says, but if you try to give just because you want to get, that's no joy there, you won't get it either. But that's the, that's the whole idea. But Jesus also said this, he who has been forgiven loves much. So maybe the question is, is if you don't love much, maybe you don't realize how much you've been forgiven. So you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. But then he says, if you give sacrificially and you give abundantly, you will reap abundantly. So the heart of joy that gives out abundantly will receive abundance and that much more. This is what God is calling us to do. This is New Testament handling earthly things in a heavenly way. I just want to share two more verses and then I want to share something personal uh, that I asked you to pray about that I believe we have an answer for. 
if, and you'll see that in, in the New Testament, nothing really has changed. It's just a different level of living. In, in, in Corinthians, uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, it says, uh, they gave first to the Lord and then the, by the will of God also to us. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love uh, uh, that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So he wants us to excel in these things. He wants the community's needs to be met. And it doesn't start, like, you know, I can't say, like we talk about revival, I can't say, you know, okay, God, you know what, I pray that the ICC community, you know, see what I just did? I just distanced myself from you, which was wrong heart. I don't say, God, you know, I pray for the ICC community that, that they would excel in giving, that, Lord, they would give just like it was in the book of Acts, that we would have revival. First of all, that is so far from the way you should pray. So don't pray, God, help us to do this. Don't pray that way. Start with you. Don't worry about anyone else. Start with you. Lord God, give me a heart like your heart. God, give, make me walk in your ways like your ways. You can't worry about other people. You can only control yourself. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your children. Don't worry about anyone. Start dealing with yourself first because then it will get contagious. My wife is a prayer warrior. She shames me in the morning. I see her over there praying. What do I? I, I better get praying. <laughs> That's, I'm serious. She gets up in the morning, man, Bible out. You know, me, I'm coffee. You know. <laughs> then I sit down and I see her praying. I'm like, she's praying, I need to pray. It's contagious. You start seeing someone else do it, you'll start doing it. But if you want others to see it, you start doing it. Okay? And then in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do uh, what I told the Galatians to do on the first day of the week. See, first fruits. There's nothing changed. Nothing changed. The first day of the week, each one of you must set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Save it up, and, and then when I come, I'll take the, the collection. And so basically he's saying, you should know what you want to give. Know how cheerfully you want to give. And set it aside and be ready to give. Okay? That's how you handle earthly things in a heavenly way. I hope I was clear. I'm going to, uh, as I have done for the last three weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to have the ushers come forward. We're going to re receive the, the, the offering today, but I want to share with you a personal thought as they do. Um, something that um, when God spoke to me about it, um, I knew it was him, and I knew what he was saying, but I had a conversation with him. I want to tell you about my conversation because after I heard from him, I did talk to the leaders of uh, our community and some of them thought I was crazy, but after they got done praying, they felt, yes, this is definitely what God wants us to do. We're not the only one to ever do this, but uh, I just feel like it's time that we do it. Now, what I want to say is this, that when I prayed, I was, when I was studying this and praying over this, 
You know, I heard God say, I don't want you to take an offering, a collection anymore. So we're not going to, it's going to take us some time, it's going to take us about a month to set it all up, but we are no longer going to take uh, like a collection like we're doing today. Okay? We're just going to put boxes in the back, and you're going to give as you want to give. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, can I, I want to be very honest with you. When God first said that to me, he said, no more collection. I evaluated my thoughts. And I said, what's keeping me from wanting to do that? Like, wh what is it? And I realized I had some fear. Every, every thought I had about continuing to do it this way was based upon a fear. First, fear was, God, don't you realize that we still owe money on this building and now you don't want me to take a collection? You want me to just have a box in the back? God said, that's a fear. Are you going to walk in fear or are you going to walk with what I tell you to do? So I'm not going to walk in that fear. Uh, if you know any poker term, I'm going to double down in faith. And then I said to myself, and this was, I said, well, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I said, God, but then maybe people aren't going to give. Maybe, maybe they just, now this is an excuse, and now they, they, they just won't give. And then God said, you just insulted your community. And I had to repent. I'm sorry I thought that. Because I know you love this community. And I know that God will continue to do amazing things through you, and you will continue to do what God is calling you to do. So forgive me for that. And after I repented, I said, okay, God, we're going to do it. I did ask the leaders first to make sure I wasn't totally off crazy, and they all went, yeah, let's do it. Matter of fact, some of them jumped up and down and said, yes, God already told me this. So in about a month, we'll, we'll figure it all out. In about a month, we'll start having a box in the back, and that way you give that way. But we don't have it yet, so we're going to use these things right now. Okay? So would you bow your head?